Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Today's episode has been sponsored by Jay McLaughlin. Jay McLaughlin is a timeless lifestyle brand with incredible style and a spirit of connection. I am obsessed with Jay McLaughlin and have been so honored that they are sponsoring my Zibbyverse tour. It just so happens that the tour goes to so many communities and areas of the country that have Jay McLaughlin stores. And I love that the brand is philanthropic through Jay McLaughlin's local and loyal programming host store events to give back to organizations that are meaningful to Jay McLaughlin's local communities. I also love the fact that the clothes are just so chic. They make me feel polished and modern. And the best part is that most of the line comes in fabrics that don't wrinkle. I especially love the dresses, the cashmere sweaters, the other sweaters. You'll see them all over my Instagram. I typically tag at Jay McLaughlin. And so you can check it out. It is absolutely one of my favorite brands and I am over the moon excited to be working with them. In fact, I want to share the love with all of you. Jay McLaughlin is giving 20% off new customers and listeners of my podcast with special code ZIBBY20, capital Z-I-B-B-Y 20. That's 20% off for new customers and listeners of the podcast with special code capital Z Zibby 20. Take advantage of it today. My favorites are this white open long cashmere sweater that I've been wearing on every flight that I've taken on this tour. I have a blue with light blue horizontal striped sweater, several dresses I even wore on Corny America. Check it out. Jay McLaughlin. Thanks so much. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast that you're listening to right now, thank you so much, called Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. It is a daily podcast, 365 days a year, and each day we talk to an author about all of the things related to their career, their book, their life, and more in 30 minutes or less, because who has time? I am now an author myself, although I wasn't when I started this podcast, and you can get my new memoir, Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature, wherever books are sold starting July 1st, and my children's book, Princess Charming. You can learn more about me at zibbyowens.com, but really, you're here to learn more about the authors, and that is what we're going to do. Also, be sure to check out all the other podcasts in the Zcast Podcast Network. You can learn more at zcastnetwork.com. Dot com and definitely check out those shows as well. 
Andrew Sean Greer is the author of Less is Lost. This is guest hosted by Alicia Fernandez Miranda, who hosts the podcast Quit Your Day Job and is one of the Zivi Books authors with an upcoming memoir called My What If Year. Andrew Sean Greer is the author of seven works of fiction, including the bestsellers The Confessions of Max Tivoli and Less. Greer has taught at a number of universities, including Stanford and the Iowa Writers' Workshop. He's been a Today Show pick, a New York Public Library Coleman Center fellow, a judge for the National Book Award, and a winner of the California Book Award and the New York Library Young Lions Award. He is the recipient of an NEA grant, a Guggenheim Fellowship, and the 2018 Pulitzer Prize for Fiction. He lives in San Francisco and Milan. His latest novel, Less is Lost, is what we're talking about. All right, guys. Well, I'm really excited to be back here on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books and to welcome Andrew Sean Greer, who is the author of Less is Lost. Uh, Andrew, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. You're smiling really nicely at me, but I'm kind of angry at you because I didn't sleep last night. I was flying back from New York. I started your book on the tarmac, and I did not stop reading until my layover at six o'clock this morning in Dublin. So thank you slash uh, I'm angry at you for writing such a phenomenal and hilarious book. <laughs> you have no one to blame but yourself. That's absolutely but true. Planes are <laughs> but good you. For reading. Yeah, planes are good for reading. You know, I have to say that's one of the best things about a plane. I, I loved, and I loved reading a book about traveling while I was traveling, even though I was leaving America and not kind of traveling around America in an RV. But it was just, it was a, it was a delight. I'm a big fan of less, but also this was, you just, you really reward the reader who's paying attention. And I think I appreciate that when I see something come back and I'm like, I remember that joke. He said that a few pages ago. That's also the good thing about reading a book in one sitting. So. Oh, um, that is great to hear. Cause yeah, if you read it over weeks, those things don't really land. Yeah. Yeah. But even if you do, you'll still love it because uh, we know we got a lot of busy moms listening to this podcast who may not have very long flights. But why don't you start by telling everybody what Less is Lost is about? Less is Lost. It's a, it's a follow-up to Less, but it's a standalone. Don't be scared. I, I, there's, a, there's not much to know about the first book. It's not like it has a lot of plot. But it's <laughs> a story about a middle-aged middle career gay writer in America who's living in San Francisco with his boyfriend, Freddie, and it's narrated by Freddie. And there's a financial crisis and Les has to go and try to get as much money as he can from the weirdo things that writers are offered. And he ends up in a kind of cross-country trip west to east uh, in the United States. And it's Freddie who's telling the story with love, affection, and ridicule of his boyfriend. The narrator's voice is so strong, but also the characterization uh, of Les is so strong as well. And I think um, you really strike that balance so brilliantly. So I know you've answered this. I've, re- I've gone through and did like a deep dive rabbit hole of reading a lot of the press you've done around this book. But I think it's worth asking again, you know, what made you decide you wanted to come back to this story after such a successful run with Les? Well, you probably read that I, I, I didn't at first. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say I was... Because books in the U.S., they come out a year after you turn them in. So I was fiddling around with more stories about less because it's just really enjoyable for mm-hmm. me. And then my author, my my agent told me, you can't, you've won now what you've won the Pulitzer Prize. You can't write a sequel to a Pulitzer Prize novel. It's unseemly. But I didn't. I worked on another book for a long time and I read it and it was awful. Oh, God. 
I mean, it was, and it's not, that's not atypical for me. I'm very hard on myself, but it was, it was bad. Mm. And I remembered something another prize winner had told me, Michael Shabon, he said, now you can write anything you want. And I thought, okay, then I'm going to write a sequel to less because awesome. that's, you know, my comfort zone. It was so, such a joy to write that way. Timeline wise, when were you writing this? Was this before March 2020? Was it during the pandemic? Kind of what was your what was your timeline when you were actually putting this together? It was I did the research for the book I was going to write. I didn't know what it was much earlier. Okay. Right in uh, after the 2016 election. Oh, so wow. 2017, okay. before less even came out um in the US. I rented a camper van and went to the Southwest and the Deep South for six weeks. And so I started writing in 2019, the bad book. Mm. And then I started less <laughs> just before the pandemic. And this is really, this is the book that I wrote in the pandemic, but I had all the material. Right. And so I just was locked in a room in Milan. <laughs> in yeah, I mean, at, but like actually locked in a room because I know Italy had a very restrictive lockdown. <laughs> oh yeah, there was no leaving. It was great. They would make rules that would be like, for Christmas, like you have to choose for 10 days where you're going to be and you can't go to the next town. The next town is like across the street. I mean, mm. those towns are just right up next to each other. So, of course, my boyfriend and I chose to spend those 10 days with his parents. Of course he did. <laughs> <laughs> 10 days. Oh, wow. We don't speak English. Yeah, it was great. How's your Italian? It's gotten better since then. Is it as good as your German? Because I have to say, those parts... The German parts of the book, like the, the stewardess came over to ask if I was okay because I was like actually laughing. At I'm sorry. I just think it's funny to think, I mean, as English speakers, we take it for granted that other people would learn English as their second or third mm. or fourth language. You know, when you go to a hotel in France and they speak, France is a bad example, in Spain and they uh -huh. speak English and then they speak French to the next person. And yeah. you're like, this person would be an ambassador in the United States. Yes. And here they work at a hotel and we should have a little humility and about how ridiculous we would sound. We do. Um, and my, my French uh, is definitely much ooh. worse than, than less is German in the book. Okay. So I'm like fascinated by the fact that you actually took this RV trip and that that was your research. Tell us a little bit about the trip and did, uh, have, have you, uh, did you pull from, I know it's fiction, but did you pull from any actual experiences you had on the road? Well, I had a rule from the, my rule in last, I had two rules. Mm -hmm. One was I could only write down details that I wrote down in my book, my notebook for my travels. Ooh, okay. So everything in last, those things did not happen to those people, but mm -hmm. every rock and chair is real because I didn't want to write a fantasy of India or Japan. I wanted mm -hmm. to write what was actually there. And the second one is that the joke is always on Arthur Less. When you travel, those yeah. people are normal. And if you can't figure out the subway system, it's not because they're stupid. It's because you are. Yeah. <laughs> so like, which is I can never figure out subway systems. So I did the same one in this book. I thought I'm not going to make fun of Arizona, Alabama, Mississippi, mm -hmm. but I'm going to write down all the details that I'll need because I have my preconceptions about those parts of the country. And I, I'm not allowed to write those preconceptions down. Right. I have to write down what there is. There was a hound dog cemetery. You know, there was, I, there was a tombstone that said he was not the best, but he was the best I ever had. <laughs> you know, I wrote that down and it made it into the book in a major way. 
I feel like there's going to be a slew of people doing RV trips, like trying to follow the same route. <laughs> I, I would do it. I would fun. do it in a heartbeat. I would do it in a heartbeat. I did travel a lot more than Les does. Like okay. I, I went all over the place. I just went to tiny, small towns everywhere. I went to Greer, New Mexico, just because it was named Greer. <laughs> it turned out to be a ski resort. And oh my God. I was trapped in a blizzard in a bar. And, uh, just talk to everyone there. <laughs> How amazing. Were you on your own or were you traveling with your partner? I was. My partner was with me at the first part because he hasn't seen a lot of America. He's mm-hmm. Italian. Mm. And so I took him through the sort of communes of the Southwest, which yeah. I combined into something. He was <laughs> fascinated. But I realized it's better if I travel alone. I pay more attention to what's yeah. around me. If I'm with someone else, I just talk with them. So in the South, I was deep South. I was definitely alone, which was helpful. Yeah. It's such a journey. So I want to read this quote that I pulled out. I could have basically just read the whole book here as an audiobook, but I'm not going to do that. I pulled out this one. He thinks each day will be better than the next. He is wrong. He awakens the next morning and thinks it again. He is wrong. He thinks we are free to become our true selves, that we are free to love as we choose, a mindset so United Statesian you could serve it with ketchup. But friends, you cannot live on ketchup which I just loved that. And in the piece that the New York Times did about you, you said you really wanted to write about America. Why? Well, I had, in that 2016 election, I think a lot of America, no matter what you felt about the outcome, was surprised and interested in it. And now we see even more and more a divided America. And I, as a novelist, politically, I have firm ideas, but as a novelist, I don't. Mm. I go in thinking, maybe I'm wrong. I clearly am ignorant. Um, So I thought I want to see America that I had never visited before. And I want to try to put it in my head to write a book about America, which is such a pompous thing to say. And of course, in my mind, I was going to write this 800-page tome about travel. (laughs) And it ends up being uh, a silly and poignant novel about a small part of it. But I put it in my head. And at the beginning of the book, there's a foreigner a Czech writer who asks Mm -hmm. Arthur, he says, why do Americans never ask themselves, what if America is a bad idea? And we don't ask ourselves that until very recently. I've been uh, an expat, I guess, for a long time. I've been 15 years out of the the U.S. in the U.K. And I was at uh, the Deauville Women's Summit in France in 2016, right after Trump got elected in this room full of, you know, feminists from around Europe and the world and just everybody kind of in shock. And I remember there was a panel of American women talking about the election and a French woman stood up and asked this question. She was like, doesn't this now prove that everything, you know, something like, doesn't this now prove that everything you've ever been trying to do as America has just been like uh, charade and you were all wrong all along. And uh, it was amazing, actually, because the panel really had, they were like, no, absolutely not. It just means we need to fight harder and we need to do more. And that's such a uniquely American point of view. But being an expat, you know, have you seen a different side of that? And how did, you know, how do you feel like your perception of America has changed? I know you spent a lot of time out of the country. I think it's really useful. It gives you a perspective of Well, for instance, if I'm here in San Francisco, my super liberal friends get very upset and want to talk about what Marjorie Taylor Greene said yesterday. Mm. And when I'm in Italy, no one knows who that is. Yeah, isn't that nice? That is is not in the newspaper. And you realize that person is of no importance. She has a minor vote in the House of Representatives. And 
why would you listen to that person? Italy has its own Marjorie Taylor Greene, sort of loudmouth people, mm-hmm. and th- plenty of them. And mm-hmm. I could read about them, but Americans don't know them. And you start to see like there's a lot of news cycle we're reading that isn't important. And I do see the rest of the world. I mean, Italy, they love America and American things because of the, what after the war, it transformed the country, the presence of Americans. Right. And they can't let go of that, really. I think it's heartbreaking in Italy for them to see the country heading the way it's heading. And they just had their own election. That's right. Um, that didn't go the way. None of us were surprised, though. Yeah. Yeah. That's She's been around a long time. It was no surprise. But... I think it broke their hearts to think that this solid thing they've seen in movies might be, you know, mom and papa are fighting feeling. Well, it is this, uh, and I think you you do this, you know, you bring this up in so many different ways in the scenes in your book that uh, this idea of America goes far beyond America. I think it's how other, you know, it's not just how Americans think of themselves, but there's also this sort of perception that other people have around the world of what America is. And it's important to people, not as important, I think, as often Americans would like to think it is, but um, it is important to a lot of people. And it's changing so rapidly. And I I loved how uh, really kind of sympathetic and humanized you were to your characters and how they were real defined people. And it was not a caricature of people in the South. And it was not um, uh, you know, it was just, it was really, it was really beautifully handled. So you did a very good job with that, I think. Thanks. I think, and that word in there, United Statesian, is, is, is from Italy because they, they're always like, why do you call yourselves America? There's so many other parts of America. And say, they don't say American, they say Stati, you know. Yeah, it, same it, in Spanish. It's, it's United Statesian. They say, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And which I think is really funny. It's a, just, a, just an awkward word in English. <laughs> And but I might start using it. <laughs> and my partner does always make fun of me. He always says, Are you making I'm gonna have catch up with that because that's so disgusting to them. <laughs> oh my gosh. So your writing process, you wrote a Pulitzer Prize winning book. You've now come back. Do you feel kind of more confident in your writing? Has your writing process changed? Has the process of trying to sell your this book changed kind of since everything that's happened since last come out? Tell me how things are different than they were then. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
plushcare.com slash weight loss. Certainly easier to sell the book, mm-hmm. <laughs> which because less, I had trouble selling that in, in the UK, 12 different publishers, including my old publisher, all turned it down. I was let loose and it wasn't going to come out until the day after I won that prize. And oh my God. Easier. So I'm very aware that like, I should have a little humility about it. Nobody wanted that book. Don't. You need to go like Julia Roberts back into all those publishers. Like you made a big mistake. Yeah, Huge. I, that's how I feel. <laughs> Huge. But uh, as you as you guessed, the, the biggest transformation is in me and in a sense of confidence of, of like, okay, I will write this other book. And maybe no one's asking for it, but it doesn't, I'm allowed to now. Mm-hmm. Whereas before I would kind of, that's a good way to write a book. Yeah, it's to think, this imagine. is what I want to write, not this is what's going to sell. And I think some interviews, they're, 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 they think it's cynical of me to write a sequel to less. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I was, everyone told me not to. Yeah, I did it anyway. <laughs> I did it anyway. It was uncynical. Yeah. But yeah, I, I do. I remember when I finished less, which was a while ago, I read it when it came out that I, I really did want more. So sometimes you're really grateful to come back into the world. And especially in a way where it's like good, it's not like a reboot that happens 20 years later. And you're like, Oh, God, I wish they would have just left well enough alone. Well, I mean, I'm, I hope because part of it was that I needed to be in a, in a sort of warmer embrace mm. <laughs> during pandemic. And so I hope the book is like that. Because, like, for me, not to denigrate other art forms, but, like, I loved Game of Thrones, but I turned to the new one. I'm like, I cannot be here. Same. This is this is too dark. Same, Give me I know. Give of the Rings. Yeah. I need, I need something a little light. But this was light, but it was also smart, which I – so I really enjoyed it. Um, as Obviously, I've been, like, gushing all over this entire podcast. They're going to have to cut some of this out so I don't seem <laughs> too, uh, too fangirly. <laughs> keep it, keep it all. You do a really a, a lot of the fantastic jokes in the book that do come at the expense of less are also at the expense of the publishing community, the writing community, the literary community as a whole. Do you find it uh, harder or maybe easier to satirize the community now that you are Pulitzer Prize winning writer, Andrew? Oh, I'm, it must be easier because <laughs> I, I'm, I, if anyone gets mad at me, it doesn't. I'm not worried like, oh, no, now I won't be invited to that cocktail party where I might, you know, I don't want to go to a cocktail party anymore. <laughs> you know, like, like I don't need that. <laughs> That's so awesome. So what are you reading right now? I, I just bought a huge stack of, of books and a friend gave me a whole bunch. So I am finishing. I'm a big fan of Muriel Spark. Mm-hmm. I just think like... There's a Muriel Spark novel for for everyone, so I'm finishing <laughs> one that's called The Only Problem, which is nuts, as they all are. Nice. And I think next up, I've got Karen Joy Fowler's novel, Booth. I always oh, yeah. love her books. She's also like Muriel Spark. Everyone's different, but they're all so smart and and um, lovely. Yeah. Uh, and I've got to read the new Emily St. John Mandel, and I've got to read a Sheila... Um, heady book and Ooh, your list is as long as mine <laughs> and i'm a slow reader that's the terrible thing i'm really slow no oh, but that means you're enjoying you're enjoying every word which i think writers probably appreciate so. um and what's next for you in terms of your writing or other projects it is about time for me to get back to this novel that i started this okay summer. the one you put away no. Well, the one I, no, no, not that oh, one. Oh, that I, one's gone. I, that one's in the drawer I, forever. That one's gone forever. Okay. I cannibalized it for less is lost. 
No, this next one is not a book with Arthur Lass, but it is because I base it on the material that I have because mm-hmm. I'm sort of a researcher, even though it doesn't seem like it. Mm. And my material is uh, Italy. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I'm I have a book there, but in the same sort of warm-hearted comic mode, but with Excellent. different characters. Excellent. Well, sign me up for a pre-order. I'll be right there. So uh, I have a podcast with Zibby's Network. It's called Quit Your Day Job. So I have a particular fascination in uh, jobs and career changers. And I read this about you, that you have been a chauffeur, a restaurant receptionist, an extra on Saturday Night Live. You worked for Nintendo. You were a paralegal. You worked at a toy company. What was like the best and the worst of all of those jobs that you have done? I would say working for Nintendo was was great because my job was to uh, play the games until I won them. I was paid to do that and then write an article about how, tricks on how to beat the game. And that just seems like a dream job. And like you know, you should, we should have had a warning like moms, if your kids are in the car, turn this off because if they hear that that's a job, you're never getting them back. <laughs> And I think naming toys for a toy company was pretty hilarious too. Like that they would pay me to do that. They pay me hours. And I they told me like, you're charging us too little. You need to double the hours. And I'm like, but it's easy. And then I realized, oh, it's easy for me. Do you remember anything you named? Well, they would never take my real names. Oh. <laughs> that's the thing. I remember that there was a pool floating radio. This is like 2000. So that seemed really cool. Mm-hmm. And I call it the sound turtle. I was like, that's charming. I'd buy that. Yeah, I I give it to the marketing people and they pitch it in a meeting. I give them like three. And they always would choose something like floating pool radio. (laughs) Every time. I don't care, you know. You did your thing. I don't know if you saw Tick, Tick, Boom. There was a great part of Tick, Tick, Boom where he's, they're trying to come up with ideas. Did you see Tick, Tick, Boom? I did. It was great. You know that scene when they're in the office and he's like trying to brainstorm ideas about what to name this product that they need. No, so, so funny. I like love that that's a real job that people get paid to do. Yes. (laughs) What was the the worst of all of those job experiences? I think being a a, a restaurant reservationist was really awful because I was in New York City. It was Mm -hmm. a really chic restaurant at the time. And I had to somehow at the age of 21, know the names of every downtown person who should be able to get in. Oh, God. And and put them at tables at different times, and I was bad at it. One day I came in, and the chef came upstairs with a cleaver <laughs> wanting to kill me. So I took <laughs> everyone at 730. <laughs> oh, my God. I know. Well, everything's copyright. That probably makes it into a good story at some point. Yeah. We always like to kind of finish up here with what your advice would be to aspiring writers who are listening to this. Well, part of it's the day job thing. I think don't get a day job that is all writing all day because mm. you'll be worn out. And someone gave me that advice when I was really young. And as you can see, I took it. And uh, I think it was really useful because then you that one hour that you can grab for yourself every evening goes into the writing instead of being like, I can't look at the screen for another minute yeah. or pad of paper. In fact, pad of paper might be a good good way to, to write. If you're tired of screens, it might feel like a different magic object. Yeah, use a different part of your brain, I think, when you're yeah. writing by hand. Plenty of people write on the yellow legal pad. This has been such an amazing conversation. Where can listeners find you online for more information about what you're up to and your whereabouts and all of those exciting things? Oh, I got an old-fashioned website. Nice. (laughs) AndrewGreer.com, which I bought in 1998, and I still run myself. (laughs) That's fabulous. 
I go on a domain buying spree a lot of the time. Uh, I I've, love I've it, never bought that one. You had it already, so I couldn't. But I think anything. Instagram is the other way to 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 write to me. That's what I'll ask, answer. Yeah. And what's your handle? A.S. Greer. Amazing. Fabulous. Well, thank you so much, Andrew, for being on the podcast and for writing such a beautiful book that was worth staying up all night to read. So I am grateful for that. Thank you for doing that and for having me on. <laughs> Les should have known at the clinic a few weeks before that his relationship was in some trouble. It was an ordinary blood draw for an ordinary medical checkup, the kind a man over 50 must submit to once a year in America. The bell jingled as he opened the clinic door, then jingled again as he failed to close it, then jingled again. And again. Sorry, he shouted to the empty waiting room. It's only inhabitants, a clipboard, a water cooler, and a fan of gossip magazines in absurd hues. But look at Les. A sweatshirt as bright as a highlighter, a little Marseillais fisherman's hat. Let's not anyone here call anyone else absurd. In the exam room, the phlebotomist, bald, Taiwanese, heavily tattooed, suffering a fresh heartbreak that has no bearing on our story, arrived with a clipboard, which he handed to Arthur Less. Please write your full name at the top, the phlebotomist said, preparing an intriguing tray of vials. The patient wrote the name Arthur Less. Please write down the name of your emergency contact the phlebotomist said, preparing the inflatable cuff. The patient wrote the name Freddie Pelu. Please write down the nature of your relationship, the phlebotomist said. The patient looked up with surprise. Our lovelorn phlebotomist glanced at the questionnaire and replaced the blood pressure cuff with its kelp-like tubing and bulb on the tray beside him. Such a device is called, by the way, a manometer. The nature of your relationship, Mr. Less he said brusquely. It's a tough question, said the patient. Pausing for a moment, misunderstanding the universe, he finally wrote, uncertain. This clumsiness of the heart also became apparent on a certain California road trip. Les was equipped only with his lover, an old sob, and some hastily purchased camping equipment consisting of two intra-zipping sleeping bags and a large nylon disc. This disc, of Swiss manufacture, unfolded into a tent whose vast interior defied belief. Les was fascinated by its pockets, air vents, rain flies, its stitching, netting, and circular Guggenheim ceiling. But like the Swiss, it was neutral. It did not love him back. Sure of his infallibility, he unzipped the insect mesh and let in a rowdy bachelorette party of mosquitoes that raided the human open bar. He even zipped the sleeping bags to the ceiling. And on the final day, when a wild downpour arrived at lunchtime, it was decided that while the tent could be trusted, Les himself could not. A hotel must be booked. The nearest was something called Hotel d'Amour. This turned out to be a cream-colored cake in a rain-drenched forest, decorated inside with white roses and gilt furniture, and the desk clerk greeted them with surprise and delight. There were no guests at the hotel due to the last-minute cancellation of a wedding. We've got a rose altar and a priest and a wedding dinner and cake and champagne and a DJ and everything. She sighed and her fellow staff members looked upon their new guests expectantly. 
doves within a cage cooed romantically. The stout priest, her vestments dark with rain, smiled, hopefully. A string quartet was playing Anything Goes. Outside, the storm shut the door and blocked the escape. It seemed there was no dodging destiny. What do you think? I said to Arthur Less. That's me. I am Freddie Pelu. I am the emergency contact who picked up Less at the blood draw clinic shortly after he fainted. I am a short and slight man approaching 40, the age at which the charming eccentricities of one's 20s, sleeping in a silk bonnet to save my curls and wearing rabbit-eared slippers, become the zaniness of middle age. My curls have patinaed like scallops on old silver. My red glasses magnify my myopia. I am winded after chasing my dog one time around the park. But I am as yet unwrinkled. I am no Arthur Less. Rather, I am what I would call an alloy, and my grandmother would call a pasticcio, of Italian, Spanish, and Mexican heritages, mere nationalities being themselves mixtures of Iberian, indigenous, African, Arab, and Frankish migrations, breaking down further until we get to the elemental humans from whom we all descend. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.